Welcome to the Space for Magic podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to receiving all the gifts the universe has for us. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive coach. Using a blend of common sense, brain science, and just a dash of magic, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Space for Magic podcast, which is also the last episode in 2020. And I think if you're like me, the last of anything in 2020 is a good thing, right? So I know you're going to love my guest today, a guest I'm so excited to share with you, who my very meeting of her and with her has been a completely aligned manifestation of what I always talk about when we create space for magic. So I'm going to talk about that in a second. So I have Karen Sargent here with me. She is going to be talking with me about learning styles, behavior styles, why we get in our own way, how to get out of our own way. Her mission specifically is, I love this, rescue genius from the daily grind. She works with CEOs to help them clean up their bottlenecks, cure their bottlenecks, and really you know, thrive. That isn't specifically why I asked her to come on. The reason I asked her to come on is I think in so many ways, so many of us have realized where we're getting in our own way. And that's what we're going to talk about and how the Colby relates to it and just how our habits of needing to stay safe usually keep us small. But here's the coolest story about how Karen and I came to meet. So we both recently joined a online member networking group. There's more to it than that. I won't go into it, but we just we were brand new members of this new group and so we were just introducing ourselves and we set up connection calls with a few people in the group and Karen was one of them and we were talking and I was talking about maybe bringing her on the podcast. Now we had scheduled that call the week before we spoke. The morning we spoke, I realized I had a tremendous amount of frustration in not having the right team members on my team. For where we are going to go in 2021, I just know we're not organized properly. And I just couldn't figure out how to even like figure it out. And that morning I said, all right, all right, God, all right, divine, you need to send me someone to help me. I cannot figure this out on my own. And this is what I talk about all the time. Just surrendering a problem is what creates the space for magic. Lo and behold, get on the phone with Karen. Don't even know this is what she does. Like had a sense of what she does. Had no idea she could exactly be the person that could help me. And she was. So Karen and I are going to set up separate times so she can help me. But right now I'm going to welcome her on so she can help all of us. So welcome, Karen. Oh, that is such a great story. I love hearing it. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, I'm going to joke and say like, you and I have a love language called Colby. So (laughs) I believe in the Colby assessment. You probably know way more about it than I do, but it's going to be one of the things we talk about today. Just to jump in, tell someone that's listening a few things about you that you think will help them understand you beyond just this bottleneck curer of CEOs? Because just from talking to you, I know you're so much more than that. (laughs) Well, I feel like I'm an incurable systems thinker. I think that would be a very apt description. So I feel like uh, in my life experiences and all the things that I'm interested in, I'm always casting a really wide net and then bringing 
points together and connecting them. So I have a, my very first work experience was in Silicon Valley in software in the 90s during the dot-com boom. Then I moved into the government. I worked counterterrorism during the Afghan war. I got burnt out. Now I help CEOs because I don't feel like leaving my armchair during the day and I want to work anywhere there's Wi-Fi. And so I kind of like took all of those transferable skills that I was learning along the way and all the things I'm reading and all the things I'm interested in. And I feel like they all kind of come together in a maybe magical way, if I could steal your word. And it helps me be present to CEOs who are trying to get out of their way and, you know, grow a business. I love it. So... We have a wide array of audience members and plenty are not CEOs and have zero desire to be CEOs. But I love, I think what you talk about this bottleneck concept, we all become bottlenecks in our life, right? In Mm -hmm. just so many different places. And for this last podcast of the year with this space for magic, that's essentially what I'm talking about is we have to clear the space. Like we have to hand over control. And in the case of what you do for a living is you help people figure out where they can let go of control and hand it over to people so that they're not that bottleneck, right? That is the most apt description I have ever heard of what I do. Yes. Awesome. So what I love, because you used a word and I, I already mentioned in the intro, you know, we were talking about why people create these bottlenecks and how the Colby relates to it. So in a minute, we'll talk about the Colby, but do you remember the word you use? Because I think it's the reason we all close out space for magic. Was it navigating safety? Yes. 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 That we're always employing these strategies to keep ourselves safe. And in doing so, we close out all these options, right? And we close out all this opportunity. I agree. I do agree. Working our edge is some of the bravest bravest work we could ever do. Well, I think it does a couple things, right? So it's surrender school, working your edge and acknowledging how you're wired and yet how you also want to show up is really surrendering. And I think all of that works together. And I think 2020, more than any other year, certainly that I've lived in, has really, I think, squeezed us at our bottlenecks. It's really put us on our knees in places where we wanted to hold on to control to keep ourselves safe. We wanted to do our strategies to keep ourselves safe. And 2020 kept saying, nope, no, here's a pandemic for you. Here is political unrest for you. Here's lots of things that are just going to make it impossible for you to keep pretending that your safety comes from these strategies. Oh my God. How do you feel about that? A hundred percent. Yes. And I think that is bewildering and very, very scary for most of us, even those of us who have done some surrendering in our in our um, practices, I almost feel anxiety when you paint it that way, because it is so um, confronting. And um, I just feel like, you know, maybe it's the how I was brought up or the world that I live in here in the United States. And I just feel things tell me people tell me ads tell me everyone tells me that I should be able to master what happens to me and how I can I can make myself feel better. I can make my family safe. All of those things. And when you're confronted with the fact that they're just not true, yeah, it's quite something. So when you're working with CEOs, poor people, right? The reason that they create bottlenecks is simply, or I do, is simply because we're a person, there are people trying to stay safe, right? 
I agree. I agree. And with the combination that some of at, at least some of that behavior, probably most of that behavior was successful in the past. For instance, some of the hustling that you did as a solopreneur, as a as a very young business, where you have your hands in everything, where you're making last minute adjustments, where you're jerry rigging things, you know, all of those all of those habits are successful habits when you're quite young as a business. But when you get to a certain size and you have a, you don't want to run at that pace and you can't touch everything and you can't make adjustments at the last minute. And so suddenly what was successful last year is actually bottleneck behavior this year. And so the two combined, one is you feel safety when you do certain things. And the other things is you've gotten great feedback from the world that this particular behavior was successful. And so you kind of, kind of keep button up against that same wall. So what do you do? And maybe we need to segue into the Colby now. So when you're working with someone and getting them to hopefully release their safety blankets, right? Mm-hmm. Their whoobies. Their whoobies. <laughs> <laughs> Your control freak whoobies. That's what we used to call like that. The behavioral whoobies. That's so good. <laughs> um, so what process do you use? And let's talk about in terms of like that anyone can use, whether they're the CEO or they're the mom that can't hand the shit off to her husband or her wife or the parent that has children that are old enough now to do things but just can't get past it or the person with the aging parents that is still trying to micromanage Mm. them. What's the process to, I don't know, rip those safety measures (laughs) out of them? Right. So it's the same for all of them. And it's close close inspection into um, the behaviors. And so uh, when I work with the CEOs, we, we have something called a swooper tracker, which is really just a fancy way of noticing when certain behaviors are occurring. For my problem set, it's micromanaging or swooping. It's just, it's the bottleneck behaviors. But in your examples, it could be any time that whatever behavior you want to change, notice it each time and ask the five whys. You know, why am I doing this? And why do I feel that way? And I'm doing it because I, and you just sort of like walk it back a little bit. I really suggest journaling and jotting it down. Because when you come back later, you're going to be able to pattern spot very much so. And so you're going to sort of see, I call it the near occasions of swooping, but it's the near okay. It's how you feel just before you did the behavior and why it felt so justified right then. Because we always choose, even when we're doing something that we'd rather not do, we're doing it because it makes sense in the moment. So if we can walk that back and figure out why does it feel right right now that I do the behavior that I'm trying to, to drop? And that's what you need to ID so that you can make some daylight happen there. This is so fascinating because Karen, you and I just don't know each other that, that well. And you've certainly never heard any of my previous content mm-hmm. as far as I know that further back. But what I always talk about with people is you've got to find your wound bring it to consciousness, right? And then when you can actually look at it, that's when things start to shift. Yes. Because you're seeing it. This is so fascinating because there's so much synergy. So one of the tools that you use is the Colby assessment, right? Yes. So I ask folks to, uh, you know, so for instance, the CEOs that I work with, a lot of them are high quick starts. And a lot of them, many of them actually are high fact finders. And Some of the times, it is not the absolute score that is the problem. It is, I would call it the indulgence 
of that that can cause a problem. So for instance, let me give you an example of what I mean. Let me interrupt you. So let's go through the four, let's just describe because people listening probably Mm. don't necessarily know the Colby. So there's four aspects to the Colby and any one person has a range on any of those four things. So why don't you talk a little bit about them? Sure. So the two that come up the most for me are the high fact finders and the high quick starts. So the quick starting is the how likely a person is to take risks and how quickly they want to move to something new if something gets a little boring. Think of them as like adrenaline chasing. It's sort of that quality that they're that they're talking about. And I will also add, because I am a high quick start and the 10 quick start or yeah. 9.9 is it's also... I've heard it referred to as like fire aim, whatever the third oh, one is. Yes. yes. <laughs> fire ready aim. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, I can't even retain that ready. What is that? But also because we don't learn until we're in the mid, like we need it to start for us to start our learning process. So it's different for us. So the risk reward in starting without all of the readiness isn't risk for us the way it is for someone else. Mm-hmm. That's the, I know it when I'll, I, I'll know it when I see it. Yeah. So you need mm-hmm. to get it kind of started in yep. order to really see it. Yep. Another aspect is the fact finder. And that is how comfortable a person is with details. And so some people are, um, you know, want to be immersed in the details. And some people just, you know, want the either want the, the great takeaway, or they just want, kind of want the bottom line only. And it's where you fall in that um, sort of dictates kind of how much research you'll do on something or how how much you need to know about something in order to make a decision. Yeah. So high fact finders are those people who are going to read all the books. They're going to, they're always going to rely on data or data makes them, data is their whoopee, right? Like data, <laughs> lots, lots of data. Lots of data makes me feel safe. And yet I don't have enough yet to move forward. I'm going to collect more. <laughs> yes. You could very easily see the paralysis part of that, right? Even when we're just trying to have a neutral description of it, we sort of, uh, we can, we're already highlighting what it might be to, uh, to be a, to be a high fact finder isn't the problem, but to indulge in fact finding over moving forward, then we have a problem. Mm -hmm. So that's how that. So then, and then there's follow through and I'm Mm -hmm. like a a (laughs) 0.5. No, I think I'm a three on follow through. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's how much structure people prefer. So it's not necessarily, sometimes it bugs me how it's titled because it's not about literally following through. Like if you say you're going to do something, it doesn't mean that you're not apt to go follow through, but it's how much structure you prefer when you walk through something, when you're dealing with something. Yeah. And for me, it shows up too, where it's just once I get something going, I really only want to take it to like the 50% mark. And I really need a finisher. Mm. Like, I mean, I will finish, I will force myself to finish, but that's a discipline. My natural instinct is not, it's to move on to the new thing. Mm-hmm. I think that because you're, you, you light your fires with the idea and mm-hmm. getting traction, initial traction on the idea, and then just sort of just tying a bow on it isn't as sexy to you as it could be to somebody else. Yeah, yes. true. Definitely. And then, <laughs> and then implementer is the last is the last one. And that is the model in the real world is creating something concrete solutions, prototypes, versus an abstract thinker, or someone who can visualize and then just move on to the next thing. Yeah, so like an, an engineers, architects, right? Like a actual physical designers. And that's the one that I'm like a 0.5 on like, I cannot for anything like you can 
give me a room that's finished. And I'll be like, yes, I'd like it changed. I have no idea what that means. I can't visualize it. I can't eat. I mean, no, nothing. Give me a, <laughs> give me a VCR to program. Nope. Mm-mm. No. All right. So everyone has their strengths. What I found so fascinating too, was that these are our learning styles. So those of us who are quick starts and fact finders, well, fact finders did better in traditional schools, right? And certainly if you have high follow through, you do really well in academic settings. And that was the designer Kathy Colby originally created it to help her understand her kid better. And then ultimately created this whole system for all of us to learn from. So um, talk about how those ways of being create sense of safety, but then also limit us. For sure. So this is where it starts to become really useful. So let me go back to that example idea. So I once worked with a CEO who was a high fact finder, extremely high fact finder. And she came to me because she was trying to work the bottleneck issue, which is how do I find more time in my day and my week? And how can things move without me touching them constantly? And so we we began to work and she used her high fact finder as this sort of get out of jail free card for diving into details that she due to how big her company was and you know what her goals were, she has no business being in. And what she would say is, well, you know, I'm a high fact finder. That's just how I am. And that we were sort of, so instead of like actually a get out of jail free card, she was putting herself in high fact finder jail, which was I choose to spend my limited time diving into details that I've already asked somebody else to herd. And what she couldn't see initially was the fact that indulging the way she was wired was the problem. So I was asking her to reframe how she says things instead of, well, you know, I'm a high fact finder, like this is how it's going to be. She would say, I feel safer when I dive into the details. Mm. It feels risky to have somebody else do that diving and to take what they have you know, to take what like their conclusion that they come back to me with. And right there, we haven't changed anything, except we've reframed it. And suddenly there's some daylight. Suddenly there's room to work. Yes, I do want to stop there because I want every one of you listening, if you're listening, I want you to think you might not know the Colby, you might not know that you're a fact finder or a father or whatever. But think about one time, you know, just in the last week or so where you've said, I can't give over control for whatever to someone else, whether it's I can't surrender to the divine, I can't let my partner help because he or she won't do it right, I can't leave my kids to their own learning because I'm afraid they'll fail, and just notice that really what's going on there for you is I need to do this because it makes me feel safe. And it feels too risky to hand it off. I really wanted to drive that home, Karen, because I could see someone listening that's like, well, I haven't taken the Colby yet. I don't know what I am to really miss that jewel right there that you handed them. So I love that because that's it. Like everything we do that, that keeps us from having the most expansive experience of life, it feels scary to me. And I want to stay safe. 100%. And we don't just use Kobe, we actually will take Enneagram or Myers-Briggs, an experience that you always sort of almost like your pet excuses. If you just think about, well, that's how I'm built. If you ever Mm -hmm. have said that or thought that in any way, that's how I grew up. I grew up that way. And if you can reframe it and just say, that's how I navigate safety, I just feel safer. 
I feel safer when, you know, when I make the plane reservations, not my husband. I just feel better because I know how I am. Just acknowledging that it's a safety slash vulnerability issue, you almost, it just starts to play. It's just, you get some daylight and you get some, I mean, you hope that it moves on to like some relaxation every once in a while of the grip. Yes. So if someone is listening right now and they're looking back over 2020 and they know like, look, my mechanisms, my coping mechanisms, my safety mechanisms, (laughs) this did not work because this was 2020 and they're really, they've been broken open to maybe take more risks in terms of stepping away from their safety. Um, When you're working with CEOs and they start to bring this consciousness to you or and into their own relationship with themselves, what's the next step after that? So the next step is, is actually to see the behavior happen less or to have a sort of an interim. So uh, to use the same example. So <laughs> my gal would say uh, to folks, the team would bring her like some conclusions. And there would sort of be this half thing where we would allow her a little dip into kind of showing your work a little bit because we knew that she was more comfortable with the details. But we were slowly weaning her away from the deep dive. And so if you can take that example and sort of extrapolate it into the, all the sorts of ways that we're trying to navigate that particular edge, which is, hey, how about a baby step in the direction of not indulging that whatever that behavior is? Yeah. So weaning. So the next step is weaning yourself yeah. from the safety measures. Love it. And then then what's possible? What's possible once you start to wean yourself from the whoopee, from the safety whoopee? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you're getting positive feedback from the universe, right? So back to my example, if she spends the hour not digging into the details, but trusting her folks, she gets to be off the clock an hour earlier, or she can watch something, whatever the decision was, the decision ends up being excellent. And then she goes, wow, my teammate you know, made a great decision. And now the trust is building. So there's so many things that can be built with the bravery, the bravery of weaning yourself off of the default behavior. Yeah, because then in that example, what's happening is, so she's finding new safety. Now she can, now she feels safe, like in that trust, she feels safe having help, right? Yes. Yes. But it's not this dysfunctional addiction to you know, a fake safety, and it's actually just feeling safe, being well cared for mm-hmm. and, and staying in your lane. Um, awesome. So I know you primarily work with CEOs and, and why don't you define, because I don't think everyone that you work with would define themselves as the CEOs in case someone's listening and they're like, Oh, I wonder if Karen can help me. Why don't you talk about who a CEO is? For you, yeah, that's a great, uh, such a great point because I'm. I don't want people thinking like, "Wow, she works with these big corporations and these big yeah. companies." I'm talking about entrepreneurs, um, probably folks just like just like me, where I'm a company of one. I'm just one gal, and I just have something that I'm trying to put out into the world. And I'm talking most of the clients that I serve are very small businesses, maybe a handful of folks, like five or less, and they're not even full-timers. They're just folks who maybe their side hobby has sort of turned into a moneymaker or might be turning into a moneymaker, and then they're growing the business on the side. So really small sort of 
usually digital entrepreneurs, those who are doing their business over the internet are the folks that I serve. Nice. And then I want to wrap up with some last thoughts for 2020. But before we do, if someone wants to find you, where would you like them to go? Yeah. So I think a really great step would be to go visit me on my website, which is karensargent.com. I'm also on Instagram. And that's also Karen.Sargent. I think we'll be able to drop a link below. Yep. We're going to put the links in the show notes. And then if someone does fall into the realm of who you help, then if they go to, I think it was KarenSargent.com forward slash blueprint, then you've got something for them there that can get them started, right? Even if they're they're not at the stage where they're ready to call you up. And by the way, Sargent is S-E-R-G-E-A-N-T. We'll put that in the show notes, but... Yes, that's why I was asking if the show notes would have it because asking someone to spell the last name is <laughs> it's almost a, a job too much. Yes. You won't have to spell it. Just <laughs> click the link. <laughs> click the link. All right. So as we are wrapping up this year with this podcast, I'm curious what it's been like for you with you having with your client, you have this eye on where are you leaning into these creating safety for yourself as opposed to going after what you want. How has that played out for you? Hmm, That's a really good question. So it has definitely been a a year of a struggle for me. So I have to watch my anxiety. It's a condition that I have. And it's activated mostly because of the events of this last year, but also because I'm a single mother to a puppy who has really drained my batteries in general. I love him to death. But it's also quite a new there's a tap to my time that I wasn't expecting necessarily to last this long. And so I have to be quite careful about how I maintain my energy. I have scaled back even more than the pandemic has asked me to, the quarantine has asked me to. And that's because my batteries have to get (laughs) refilled. So a lot of introspection, a lot of meditation for me, and a lot of just quiet time so that I can stay resourced as I try to work my business and serve my clients. Yeah. And I love that that's what you're doing because I think that's what this year asked of us was, you know, slow down, go within, see what your truth is and make choices from that place. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being with us here today. And do you have any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners? (laughs) Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Words of wisdom. Let's think. I think working the surrender is life's work. I don't think it's about business. I don't think it's about entrepreneurship. I don't probably think it's about parenting. I think it's actually what we're called to do here on the planet is to surrender to the divine. You're calling it the divine. I call it the beloved. And I think that's our life's work. So if we think about it with that lens, hasn't 2020 been a gift? Yes. I'm not going to say one more word except those to say, that's where I want to end the podcast. Exactly. Thank you so much, Karen. This has been so wonderful. It has been fun. Thank you. Bye everyone. Hey, thanks for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. It helps us reach many more people and it fills my heart with so much joy when I hear what you have to say about what I've shared. I'm cheering for your success. Have an amazing day. And don't forget, always create space for magic.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.